Hi, I'm Keen Washburn. I'm the Student Locations Director here at The River Church. Thanks for checking out one of our messages today. We would love to get connected with you and your family. One easy way to do that is to text River Connect. That's one word, no space between the two words. Text River Connect to the number 97000, so 97000. Or you can visit our website at theriverchurch.cc to learn more about us and our upcoming events. If you'd like to give to the River Church today, you can text the amount that you want to give to 84321, or you can visit our website and click the Give tab at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy the message today. Uh, we're in Matthew chapter 5 again as we continue this, this study through uh, the words of Jesus here. And uh, we'll start in verse 14. And the Bible says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And uh, we see several different details in there. And uh, yes, there's a, there's a call, there's a challenge uh, to let your light shine. Uh, but really want, what I want to focus on this morning is the give glory to your Father who is in heaven, part of all this. And when we think about letting our light shine, it's not so that people can see how great we are. The, the point of letting our light shine, ultimately, is to, pointing, is to point glory back to God, which is the whole purpose of our lives, are to point glory to God. Here's how great my God is. So, we'll look at the different challenges in there, but what I want you to realize is the whole purpose of all of this study is to point glory to God. And so, the thought going into that is the power of the light or the power behind the light. As we look at, we are the light, let your light shine, the power behind that, the the working behind the scenes is God. It's not that we are so awesome and that's why people will see our light because we're so awesome and God's so lucky to have us and man, God got a good one. I'm, I'm full of light when he got... It's not about that. It's about here's how awesome God is. Here's what God can do. Here's what God has done in my life. And I believe that God can do that in the lives of other people. So I'm going to point people to this incredible God so that they can see the the power, they can see the light. And the only way I can do this showing my light is because of who God is and how great God is. So I want you to see how great my God is. Like that's the whole point behind all that. That's what we're going to look at. So as we walk through stuff, I just want you to consider that. As we started out in verse 14, we saw you are the light of the world. Remember last week when we considered salt? It says you are the salt, this idea that it's a reality, that as believers, as followers of Christ, we are salt. That same reality comes with light. You are light. With light here, we see that there's reality, we are light, but that there's a command that goes with it. Let your light shine 
people don't put their light under a basket. They, they put their light on a stand so it can give light. So let your light shine. So there's this reality. We are, we are salt. We are light. With this light, we have this possibility or this choice, I guess, that we have to make where we can kind of cover that light and not let our light shine. So there's a reality. You are light. But there's reality that also there's this temptation, this ability to kind of cover this light and maybe keep the light to ourselves. So there's this reality, there's this, this command. And thinking about light, I had to do a story of when light was pretty important to me. Uh, when I was, I think I was like 15, I think it was late 90s. Uh, and my cousin was 14, we went with my grandpa and my uncle, uh, we went on this elk hunt. So I flew out to Colorado, um, I have some Colorado friends here, um, and they make fun of me for how I say Colorado, but I say it right, I promise. Uh, we flew out there, and uh, it wasn't like, the, you know, here you can like drive to a spot, you pull your car over, you walk a little bit, you climb in a tree, and then when you're done, you walk back out to your truck, and you're it's not that. Like, we had horses. We walked into the mountains for, it was at least a solid day with these horses packing our stuff, and then you set up a camp, and I mean, you are there until you get on your horses and you go back out of the mountains. So we had been hunting um, for a few days, and my grandpa and my uncle got kind of, I don't know, exhausted from all this hunting, and so my cousin and I, I want you to think about this, like, Colorado Wilderness mountains and mountains, like Jeremiah Johnson's stuff. 14 and 15. So I think of my Evelyn, who is 14 and a half-ish. I think of me being that age. My grandpa and my uncle said, we're tired. You guys go on out in the wilderness and go hunt. I'm like, that's a bad idea, but okay. Well, we need a horse. You're not taking a horse. Okay. So anyways, we go out. My cousin kind of knew where he was going. We go out and, and we start walking and my cousin drove me crazy the way that he hunted, just loud. One of the instructions was don't separate, stay with each other. I'm like, this guy hunts too loud. I'm not staying with him. So we get far away from camp and like, you keep going, bud. I'm going to sit here. This is a good spot. Well, he keeps going. And then all of a sudden I hear this bang, bang, bang. I'm like, come on, dude. How does this happen? You're the worst hunter I've ever met. And so I run over to where the gunshots were. And sure enough, he had walked into this whole herd of elk. Uh, didn't bother to tell me, hey, cousin, like there's a whole bunch of elk. We can both get one. But I guess I should have stayed with him. But he, he shoots this, this big old elk. And it's getting dark. And it's starting to snow. And we're far away. And we're like kind of knew where our camp was. I mean, we're like a mile or two away from camp. They said, just be back by dark. You can go hunting. Well, when you're into elk, you don't go back to the camp. But anyways, to preface this, a couple days ago, one kid that we were kind of, we kind of knew and was not hunting with us, but we knew, he got lost up in the mountains and he fell and broke his leg or something and it was a big ordeal. So now we're out there and everybody kind of on the mountain is on high alert of people that could be lost. So they hear our gunshots and they think that we're lost. So people start firing three times, like to say, oh, come over here. This is where we are. So now people are like shooting and like people are reacting to the shooting. So it's like, 
now my uncle and my grandpa are kind of freaking out, but they hear all these gunshots and they're like, well, I don't know which one is them. So that's all going on. We get up to the elk to start taking care of it. We're in the mountains. It's snowing. The warmest thing we had maybe was like a sweatshirt or something. We're miles from camp. I'm like, all right, we got to do this. Like, get out your knife. Let's get started. He's like, I don't have a knife. I'm like, well, I got one, like a pocket knife that was dull. I'm like, well, this is going to be great. I'm like, okay, let's get out your flashlight. I don't have a flashlight. I'm like, awesome. Well, I have this one. And it was like a dollar store flashlight. And click it on. I'm like, sweet. And a few seconds later, it's, you know, that bright white light down to this little yellow. And we're freezing and just, it's not going well. I mean, we were so cold. We were like, this is extreme. But we were like kind of climbing into the elk to stay warm type situation. Uh, I told you, think Jeremiah Johnson. But anyways, we get it all taken care of. We get it kind of put away. And then we're like, well, let's get back to camp. In the meantime, you know, shots are still going on. Like, where are you at? You're lost, whatever. And then we start walking with our little flashlight. And at this point, I'm thinking like bears, like predators, like I smell like a dead elk and I've got a dull pocket knife to keep me safe and, you know, I can't see where I'm going. And so we just start walking the direction that we thought we were supposed to be going with this little dim flashlight. And we're freaking out, but we're too tough to tell anybody. And uh, here coming down the trail, we see this bright lantern. Like I was so happy to see that light. And it was my uncle. Somehow he knew where we were going to came up and he found us. We, uh, Sorry, my iPad just turned off. It makes me nervous. We're good. We saw this light shining. Like, my light was worthless. But we saw this big, bright, and we're like, okay, like, we were comforted. We knew, like, here we are. You know, everything worked out just, just fine. The story goes great. I'll tell you the, the rest of it later if you care to hear any more about it. But the point was, like, we kind of had a light, but it, it wasn't any good. My uncle comes with this bright shining light and like, it was good. And as we think about shining light, we're all light as believers. And this reality of, hey, let's, let's let that light shine bright. A bright light is very wonderful to have when, when you need it. And I would say the world desperately needs a bright shining light. John 8 Verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So ultimately, Jesus is the light. When we repent of our sins, when we recognize I am fallen, I, am, I need God's forgiveness, when we recognize that, when we recognize that, that Jesus paid the price on the cross, that he paid for our sins, when we recognize my only hope for real life is through Jesus, when, when we repent of our sins, we, we turn to Jesus, we trust in him as our Lord and Savior, he plucks us from the grips of darkness, the, the grip of death. He gives us the light of life, and he makes us light we as light, because Jesus makes us light as believers, he is light, he makes us light, we now shine in a dark world. 
So there's this reality. Jesus is light. When we believe in him, he makes us light. The power behind the light that we have is Jesus. And you remember, Jesus said, all power is given to me. And then he goes on to say, you, you shall be witnesses. And then he says in, in, in Acts, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You need to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. The other, we see this, this picture where we need light. Jesus is light. We believe in Jesus. He gives us light. He makes us light. He plucks us from darkness. So we no longer have to walk in darkness anymore. We have the light to navigate through this world. We have the light that is our hope, that is our salvation. And then we have this opportunity, responsibility to shine this light. And in thinking of this, this thought, this responsibility, but the power behind this light, my mind immediately went to the story of, of Saul, who becomes Paul. And when we think about who Saul was, and then who God turned him into, I think it's one of the greatest pictures of the power behind the light. We see Paul, let's just, Acts chapter 9. We see, I I said Paul, Saul, before he was Paul. Here's how he viewed the church. Actually, I want to go to Acts chapter 8. But I've got to get there. So Acts 8, we get like an intro into Saul, who we know as Paul, but it, it starts out with verse number 1 of 8, and Saul approved of his execution. Saul's a guy that hated Jesus, hated the light of the gospel, hated any follower of of the light, any follower of Jesus, we have him approving of an execution of one of God's followers, someone who is shining their light. Saul is there approving the execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. So I want you to see, you have Saul kind of leading this charge of persecution against the light. Like, not really a friend to the light, I would say. Hated the light. Keep going to to chapter 9, and we find more information about Saul, but Saul still breathing threats of murder against the disciples of the Lord. You see Saul here, you see who he was without Christ. Threats of murder, persecuting the church, people being drugged from their homes and persecuted. He's just wreaking havoc on the church. And it's spreading. The persecution is spreading. But he's not happy with how fast it's spreading. He wants the light to be put out. So he goes to the high priest, and then verse number 2, and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, what's the way? 
What does Jesus say? I am the way, the truth, the life. If he found any people who recognized Jesus as the light, as the life, anybody like that, what did he want to do? He might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So he wanted to go out of Jerusalem, go to Damascus, look for people of the way, look for people of the light, and bring them back to Jerusalem. Dragging them back to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And that's why this illustration made so much sense to me. This guy who hates the church, one of the greatest enemies of the light in history, runs into the light and sees the light. So this light from heaven shines around him. How does he respond? Falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Okay, the light is talking to him. What is going on? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Okay, I'm on my face here. I thought I was a pretty bad dude. But something is greater than me. There's this light. I'm going to recognize it as my authority. And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. The one that claimed to be the light, the light that you're trying to squash and push out and persecute and destroy, I'm him, the true light. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless. Can you imagine that entourage? Hearing the voice, but seeing no one, Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And I know I've highlighted this before, but this man filled with pride and darkness sees the light. And the light has a way of humbling him. And he's going to walk in this, into this city in a way that he didn't imagine his entrance being. And he's going to leave in a much different way than he imagined leaving. Because he's not leaving dragging out people of the way. He'll leave in a much different way. But we see him humbled. We see him run into the light. And for three days, he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. And I want you to see through that. Like Saul, a huge advocate for the darkness, is in a standoff with the light. And I just want us to see the power of the light, how the light is so much greater than the darkness. Because Saul thought he was fighting for the right cause, doing the right thing. I mean, all the power of hell behind him. And he runs into the light and he falls on his face and recognizes Jesus as Lord. That's incredible power. That's the power behind this transformation that's going to happen in his life. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go for the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. 
And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. Uh, God, do you know who you're talking about here? This is the same guy that just had Stephen executed? We got the right guy here? You're going to do what? You want me to go see who? Like, I'm trying to hide from this guy? The darkness is strong with this guy. Are you sure, God? But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, I wonder how much boldness he had when he did this. Like, uh, brother, brother Saul? Brother Saul. The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me, so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now I want to pause there and I want you to see the power of the light in the life of Ananias. God told him to do something that seemed like a death wish. That would end up having him in prison. And he said, you know what? I trust you, God. There's a whole lot of power there. I'm going to trust you. He's obedient. The Lord tells him the plan. He goes ahead with it. He goes, Brother Saul. Verse 18, And immediately something like scales fell off from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he arose and was baptized. And you see this hater of the church, this persecutor of the light, this guy backed by the devil himself, runs into the light, believes in Jesus as Lord, and he ends up being baptized. Like the people he was looking for to persecute, the ones who were getting baptized, who were believing in Jesus and identifying with Christ, identifying with the light, he is now himself going to be baptized. Yes, I believe in Jesus as Lord. He's the light. He has changed my life completely. I'm going to identify with him. And he does that. And taking food, he was strengthened. So, we know who Saul was. Hater of the church. He sees the light. We see God working in him. For some days, he was with the disciples at Damascus. And immediately, he proclaimed what? Who? Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is the Son of God. This was everything he didn't believe a few days ago. Everything he was devoting his life to was putting out, trying to put out the light of the gospel. And we find God getting a hold of him, we find the light getting a hold of him, and we see him making this huge transformation where now he is going into the places where he would have been looking for people to take to prison, to have people whatever to them, killed, tortured, executed, I don't know, just trying to squash out the light. We have him going into those places and now convincing people of the light. Huge transformation because of the power of God on his life. 
it's just in, incredible to see. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem? Of those who called upon his name, this name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priest? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. But their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him. Why was Saul going to that place? To get Christians out of there. He comes in. He should have had favor with the people that wanted the light put out. And it ends up where the Jews in the city are now... Paul is the Saul is their enemy number one. There's such a transformation in his life where instead of fighting for their cause, he's now pushing for the gospel, pushing people to the light, showing people the power of Jesus. And the people there hate him so much that they start looking for him. I imagine they would have been cheering for him as he came in if he would have walked in his prideful way with his entourage looking for Christians. But he didn't come in that way and now he's been there and the, the power of the gospel, the power of the Lord has been on full display and now people are looking for this guy to kill him. But his disciples took him by night and let him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. Came in humbly, goes out humbly. Following the light. Verse 26. We could keep going through the whole book of Acts, like basically most of the gospels. And we could see this changed life through Christ. Uh, We could just see this as we walk through. I just want to look at a few more verses and we'll run to the finish line. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. And they were all afraid of him. I just want you to see, like, because I know this story is familiar. I know we know this story. But I want you to see like the reality of the darkness that Saul was pursuing. And then this huge change where these disciples would have, would have heard stories about Paul's preaching Christ. But he comes back to Jerusalem and they're like, we don't believe those stories. Like we, we saw you kill Stephen. Have Stephen, we saw this. We understand how strong the, the power of the devil was on your life and man, we're not sure about you, Saul. Like, there's a big change. God has that power to change, and Saul was truly changed. For they did not believe that he was a disciple, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord, who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists, but they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. How did we start out? The church was in a place of havoc. The church was being ripped apart. 
We have God working. We have the light of the gospel starting to shine. We have this huge transformation in the church enemy number one. And God starts using him. His light starts shining and the power of the gospel just starts exploding. And we find God working through this difficult situation of of persecution and suffering and bringing it to a place where they walked in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit and the church is multiplying. The gospel is incredible. The gospel is so powerful. And we can see this story of what God can do in this, this life of an individual. We can see the incredible power of the gospel to transform someone who hated Jesus and turn them into one of the greatest instruments of life ever known. And we keep going in the gospels and we see, or throughout the New Testament, you keep going through Acts. You, you see Saul becoming Paul. You see God using Saul to start churches and spread the gospel. And I don't want to preach about Paul, but I want us to see that there is a whole lot of power to transform this hater of the light to a shining light on a hill. God is incredibly powerful. The light of the gospel can change the lives of people in ways that we cannot even imagine. And the thought of we have the same light as Saul did. That same power that did that transformation in Saul that same light, very same light that we have. And I guess just going through that was, we can look at Saul and, man, that's a huge transformation. But what about your story? Like, what has God done in your life? I know there's different examples, different backgrounds, different history that people have. Myself, you know, raised in a Christian home, like, like that's how I was brought up, knowing the Lord. And I mean, still a huge transformation when Jesus pulled me out of the grips of darkness and into his light. But we can look at that Saul to Paul and we can be like, man, that's a cool story. Like, God was pretty awesome. But I want to encourage us, like, God is still really awesome. And he's done incredible works in all of our lives. And I just want us to see, to think, to recognize, like, I have that same light as Saul did. And God has called me light. God has made me light. And then as we we think to our text for the day, Matthew 5, 14 to 16, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So I want us to consider, yeah, Paul's a great story, Saul's a great story. 
consider our lives, consider what God has done, how God has been so real and personal and plucked us from darkness and brought us into the light. Incredible. Like, all praise, all honor, all glory to God for the work that he has done in our lives. And I want us to consider the thought of how it can be so easy to kind of hide that light. Maybe different situations, different places, different people. We're like, man, I'm not going to let my light shine here. What is the reasoning? I don't know, but I'm guilty of it too. Like, man, you don't know these people. Like, they would never believe what I believe. Saul hated Jesus just as much as anybody. And God's power was greater than his darkness. The encouragement, let's let that light shine. If God is as great as we say he is, which he's greater than we can imagine, let's let that light shine. Let's tell our story. Hey, this is who I was. This is what God has done. Maybe just this past week, here's what God has done in my life. That's letting our light shine. Because that's pointing praise and honor and glory to the God who deserves all of it. He's alive. He's active. He's powerful. And the result of his greatness should be pointing people to how great God is. Our response to Jesus to the light should be praising the source of the light. And just just thinking of the potential that we have to kind of cover that light is so sad. And for me, it was this great challenge this week as I went through it. Familiar passage, familiar verse. You know, we could sing this at a light of mine. Like, we know that stuff. But when it really plays out in real life, we have the opportunity to shine the light, to tell people how great God is. And all of that points glory to God, who is worthy of all glory and honor and praise. So as we face life this week, let's keep in our minds how great God is and let's point people to that light. And if you haven't trusted in Christ, if you haven't believed in him as the light, I would encourage you, look to him today for salvation. His light is greater than any darkness that we might face. He's greater. Let's pray.